And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast live from Los Angeles, California, where I am thrilled to be joined by multimedia threat, multi-podcast threat, one of my friends in the business, the great Ryan Russillo. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for uh, returning the favor here. And I feel like in the last 48 hours for me to be with Bill... And then I know you had Bill on, and then now I'm here. So hopefully I can come up with something new. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll be fine. I missed Bill last night. Bill was at the Clippers game. I missed him. I got an obscene text from him, a profanity-laden text from him, chastising me for not saying hello to him at the Clippers game. We're not telling him I was at the Clippers game. But I did. I can't keep track of Bill's comings and goings. I didn't know where he was going to be. Wow. So is that how you are with Bill? What was the falling out? I thought we were going to do all NBA teams, but this we're is gonna do, We're going to do all NBA teams. No, I, just, I said I'm sitting in Section 111. Didn't hear from him the rest of it. He was, he just wanted, I, I didn't tell him I was coming to LA because when I come to LA, it's wall to wall. I don't have time for anything. I don't have time to do anything. No, that's the whole point. Like I remember when I first, first started coming out here for work like five, six years ago and I have buddies in Orange County and they tell me, Oh no, it's not that bad. And it was great that they wanted to see me that. You can't. And then I would tell people like, yeah, somebody wants me to drive to like Costa Mesa. Where's, and they'd be like, what? Like, no. What are you, nuts? You're not going to want to do that. I was at the Clippers practice facility today, and their staff, some of their people were like, oh, man, it's such a shame for you that it's raining here. And I'm like, what did you think I was going to, like, think I think I'm missing out on some beach time? Anyway, before we talk about All-NBA, which I do want to talk about, um, you you had a D'Angelo Russell thing, and I wanted, let's just start with that, because that was, I think, the craziest game of the entire season. And... I don't even know what you meant by this, but before we started, by that game, by the way, we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon Pacific time. So by that game, I mean the Kings blowing a 28-point lead in the fourth quarter to Brooklyn. You said D'Angelo Russell is your litmus test for whether people pay attention to basketball or not. And I'm interested to hear what you mean because I've been fascinated by him for a long time. Yeah, it's a great story. We were kicking around like how crowded some of the field is with this stuff. Like I'm not sure who MVP is, coach of the year. I'd probably listen to eight different arguments, most improved player. But when I watch TV shows, the radio thing, and like you know that, just like you, watching a ton of stuff, but I also still consume all this. I mean, if I never worked for ESPN, I'd still be watching shows and listening to talk radio. I mean, it's just what I love. I love this stuff. And when I hear people talk about D'Angelo Russell, there's like all these different versions of it, where it's the Lakers are stupid, okay, or it's, you know, Russell was always this guy and all of these different things. And, and it's just, to me, it's, he is the rare case of a guy that we knew was talented but figured it out a little bit later. I always feel like the stars in this league, like we know pretty early on. Like Kawhi's an exception. Jimmy Butler's an exception. Normally, it's that second year, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Like this guy's going to be something special. And Russell, if you look at some of the early years with him, especially that first Brooklyn year, he was as high a usage guy as almost anyone in the league, like Westbrook levels usage, and incredibly inefficient. And when you actually forget the numbers, watch those games – it was a mess. It was like, I can't believe this guy thinks he's this good. And he's this selfish. And he had some of that out here in L.A. And, you know, the immaturity thing, I never try to get too worked up about, but it was certainly part of the factor. And when a front office comes in, like, I always love when a team drafts a guy and they're like, oh, we really heard this. You know, they, they love this guy. And we're like, well, no kidding. They love him. They're the ones that draft him. Right. And then when that changes over, that love's not there. This is the D'Angelo Russell this year is a different player altogether so people can beat up on the Lakers all they want but they didn't trade this version of him this isn't who like his approach to the game his understanding the way he's closing some of these games I used to know how bad he was going to be and how selfish he would be 
But then this year, watching it more and more, I'm like, wait a minute, you have to change your opinion on him. So when I hear a talking head say, oh, the Lakers are idiots, look how great this player is, maybe they were impatient, but this isn't the guy that they traded. No, I said this before. Like, there, where was the, there was no outcry when this happened. No. There was, there was, we're about to pick Lonzo number two. This guy's not good. Magic, oh boy, I'm, I'm really on fire today. Magic, tra- <laughs> Magic trashed him going out the door, right. which was not a good move. But so here's why I'm fascinated by Russell. If you go back and read what I wrote about the Lakers early in his career, and particularly a big feature I did in Luke's first year, I was always bullish on Russell because amid all the bad things, like terrible defense, can't get to the rim, doesn't draw fouls, he would like, yeah, he's not like a quick twitch guy, right? But like he that. would do feel stuff. Yeah. Come around the screen, slow down, or like throw the corner pass, but throw it early so that the defense is still leaning the wrong way. Like he would do all that, and you would see like, man, this guy's got some feel. Like his passing in transition, he can like the reading all the layers of defense. He had all that. He just wasn't making shots. And so when I watch him now, I had a conversation with the Nets coach like three months ago. Three months ago, before he started like blowing up, before the all star started, do you remember that Houston comeback? I think it was at Houston. It was the overtime game. Yes, and they kept him on the bench, bench. and that was when I'm going like, dude, you already. I don't need to reevaluate this. His own team has kept him on the bench to close a game. That's how much they don't trust his decision making. So, and from I, that point, I I was talking to this coach and saying. I'm thinking about putting him in my 10 things column because he kind of looks better to me this year. Like he looks a little bit craftier. And am I right? Am I just seeing things? And he was noncommittal because that's what coaches, he didn't, well, you didn't want to go either way. And then like <laughs> a week, a week or two later, I texted the coach and I was like, I think I'm out. Like I'm sick of watching these floaters. And then literally like the moment I sent that text on, I don't think he's missed a, he, a floater the entire season. And like that's what I can't decide. Is he the same player he was with the Lakers? Only the same. Shots are just going. They're in going now. in now. Yeah. Or, or does the fact that they're going in make him a different player? Should we expect? Like he is a fascinating. Would you sell high on him if you were Brooklyn right now because you just believe he's just making a fluky number of floaters and mid range shots, or do you believe that he's actually different? Yeah, it's kind of like the defensive stuff that we have to do, right? If you're voting for this, I can look at all the different numbers, but I don't really know unless I watch you all the time. Yeah, and Brooklyn. You know, there's certain teams, you know how it works with league pass. They just, you'll get in a groove or it's a certain window and you go, man, I keep watching a ton of Brooklyn games. Like what's going on here? And they're fun to watch. They are fun and to watch. All of the guys that they put out there, like it doesn't feel like, you know, minus having that superstar that covers up all of your mistakes. There's a lot of players that, that you know, I'll watch them and be like, I don't feel like any of these guys stand out that much and like really are hurting them. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good question. But when you looked at at D'Angelo Russell's usage, I'm telling you, it was it was Pete Kobe, it was almost Westbrook in the first triple double year. It's it's bordering on Harden this year, and you see these names for these crazy usage numbers, and it's the the, the biggest and brightest of the league. And then it's D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, Russell in his second and third season. I go, I can't, I can't do it with this guy. So I have to, I have to hope that in watching this, that it's just not more makes because. Yeah, some of the shots feel kind of, man, you pulling up from 28 feet in transition and it just goes in and, now. And more than that, like, 
Brooklyn wants to play like the Rockets, and they have made a giant exception for him. It's like, dude, you take all the floaters you want. Like, that's how you want to play. That's what's going to work for you. Like, I'm going to Kenny Atkins is going to bite my tongue and like just let let you take all those mid rangers. But some of this left handed stuff that he, I mean, I know understand he's lefty anyway. But some of this left handed the passing, what he just kind of sticks it out there for you, and then he flicks it. It's a little like the Harden thing, yeah. where Harden gets these. These layups where it doesn't look like anybody wants to guard him because now with Capella back, they're guarding against the lob. And then all of a sudden you just realize like Harden seriously dribbled as slow as he possibly could and laid it up off just, the glass. Yeah, he just, he just and, walked in. Right, because everybody was backing off yeah. of him. And Russell had some of that because that was always the thing that he had in college. If you didn't like decision making, you didn't think his shooting was good enough, his defense was bad. He, he had a really great, like you said, he had a great feel and he made passes that college kids didn't make, especially as a freshman. I think he's meaningfully better, and it's not just shot making, but a lot of it is just shot making, and maybe he's just better at shot making. Maybe that's a real thing. Um, I, but I agree with you. Of all the things that the Lakers are getting ripped for, that's the one that I just can't get fired up about. Yeah, I, that's I, that, that's kind of the thing. Like, like, I get fired up about Randall. I get fired up about all the guys that can't shoot that they signed and then going the 180 and trading like real stuff for Mike Muscala who's now starting at power forward for some reason because they're throwing games basically um that one doesn't get me fired up is he your most improved player that's the I have like 30 guys in my most improved player <laughs> file I'm sure I've changed my mind probably five or six times because it feels like Siakam's gonna win it Siakam's gonna win Siakam and I'm not gonna have a problem with that because if you just look at the raw numbers jump to jump it's tough to really t- like Siakam, you know, is we were trying to figure out our all NBA teams and you start looking like, wait a minute, Kawhi's going to miss a quarter of the season, which I have all sorts of questions for you about them and what that means and who they'll be and actually kind of how impressive it's been that they have this kind of record. They are but, re- really good. Right. And Siakam is a big reason for, you know, hey, Kawhi's not going again tonight. Okay. I got you. And Kyle missed a bunch of games too and yeah. had back issues. Like he's Pascal and to a lesser extent Ibaka, who has had an underrated season before he punched somebody again, um, has been their one constant. Uh, but Siakam is going to win. I think that's going to be an easy vote. Yeah, I think he will too. I guess I just feel like because Russell has been the guy from start to finish, I would consider voting for him. But I mean, I even like Montrez here. You know, like I, I just Montrez is really good. He, but then it's like it's there's a lot of guys that I would listen to an argument for. Like there's things that I would for get sure. really Fox heated about. Fox kind of faded. I have a big Kings feature coming out next week. Fox kind of faded a little bit from the conversation, but his year one at, to year at one two point is huge. Yeah, well, at one point I think it was his. Yeah, because he was the guy. And Sacramento, you know, I hate what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Ever since we seriously, ever since we talked about them being our one, but there's not even a guilty pleasure. But but in every coach, by the way, has every coach answers that question with Sacramento. Brad Stevens has said he loves watching the Kings. Steve Kerr has said he wa- loves watching the Kings. Kenny Atkinson, I think they're saying last night said he loves watching the Kings everybody loves watching the Kings Giles and Bagley last night was incredible though because Giles and Bagley all of a sudden looked like freaking Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon and then it all went to hell and it all went to hell so fast that you just like whoa what happened um uh on the Nets and Russell you mentioned something interesting which he's been the guy I think what's really interesting about them going forward and even now is that Levert was the guy or emerging as at least like the co-guy and then he got hurt, and then Russell became the guy. And you could like Levert is a struggling predictably coming off a traumatic injury, and B like I think they're trying to like they brought him off the bench for a while, and now th- I think they got to. That's going to be interesting to see them figure that out, like fitting Levert back into the 
the hierarchy a little bit. You know, the bigger overall point with this too is that when people go, well, wait a minute, franchise, and I think people even forget who Prokhorov is now. Like the statements in the beginning yeah. and the impatience and you know, promising these ridiculous things because you don't know any better and you have that new owner syndrome it's which easy. all of these it's guys. Easy. I've solved up. every other problem right. in my life, I'll solve Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And without any real assets, they find a way to piece this thing together. Atkinson's been great. They're competitive. But as far as a destination, I still think even with that market and the things you like about the franchise, I feel like it's oversold a little in the in this rumor world of like is there somebody really going to go there by themselves that's a a, a tier A guy, tier 1 guy? I well, so. it depends where your tier 1 is, right? Like is right. Kyrie's probably tier 1. Jimmy yeah. Butler's tier 2. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably closer to <laughs> tier 3. <laughs> one guy's at the bottom of tier 1 and the other guy's at the top. Yeah, I could see Jimmy Butler if it's like the 4th year and it's right. and it's all the money, then he's like, yeah, Brooklyn. I we'll see. Um I mean, look, James Dolan already came out and told us that they're the front runner for free agents. It's like, how, I guess when you're the owner, like I keep thinking, why does no one yank him away from the microphone? Like immediately, like to tackle him on the street on the way to the studio. But I guess you can't because he's the guy that would, he's the yanker. He's well, the owner. By the way, he, he almost never does these. He's done what two with Michael K. And every time he does, it's like, stop, go, go away. Ask stop Phil. saying these things. Ask Phil. Uh, I don't know what he's, you know, the funny thing about Dolan is he gets crushed forever and then he goes and hands Phil all this money for a job that Phil clearly didn't want to do or wasn't capable of doing anymore. <laughs> not that Phil doesn't understand basketball a hundred times better than I do, but you just, I don't care what your resume is. If you're not into the job, you're not going to do a great yeah. job with it. So Dolan thinks he's actually doing the thing everyone wants, right? Okay. I'm going to stop meddling. I'll bring in the guy with the best resume and he can run it. And he does that and gives him what 60 million. <laughs> the contrast, accidental and unfortunate circumstances leading to it, but the contrast between Dolan banning the fan for yelling sell the team and Gil Miller banning the fan for yelling essentially racially coded comments at Russell Westbrook was like, it was like perfect. It was like a perfect encapsulation of like two different organizations with two different ownership styles and two different sets of priorities. Like what do you have to do to abandon MSG versus like what, what the, the action they swiftly took against the guy. Let's talk about all NBA. I don't want to talk about these bad teams anymore. Okay. Listeners, if you didn't already know, and I don't blame you, I'm out of touch. The NBA is wild, wild. And Hulu has all the action. They've even partnered with guys like Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard, fringe MVP candidates who are doing some pretty wild things for Hulu that you just have to check out. Now that Hulu has live sports, I wouldn't, blame anybody for getting on board if you've been late to hulu now's the time a bunch of people are ditching their cable and who can blame them when you can watch all the live games you want on hulu plus live tv it has the same channels this cable for all you fogies like me the same channels that you know for only 45 bucks watch your favorite teams of the biggest games all season long on hulu plus live tv again no cable required so uh windhorse hit this on the head today that this is a massively important voting period for um unfo- you know it makes me uncomfortable all the financial ramifications of my votes and other people's votes um we can talk about mvp later coach of the year they're all interesting i spent half the plane ride over here doing all nba teams and all nba research because so we're talking three hours basically uh maybe two maybe two hours um probably yeah probably two hours no 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 i just maybe half was probably an exaggeration okay all right um 
But I, I thought I would whip through all NBA a little bit faster, and then I was like, oh, this is getting interesting. Let me dig into this. So let's start with the guards because, as, as Wendy noted, there are several guards who have a huge financial stake in the outcome of this voting. Clay Thompson could be eligible for a Supermax. Damian Lillard will be eligible for a Supermax, which Wendy didn't write about because it's a fait accompli that he's going to get an all-NBA berth. Uh, Bradley Beal could be eligible for the Wizards' second Supermax. Um, well, the first one worked out well, so. The first one is not working out awesome. Um, so so here's where I started with all-NBA guards. There We get six, right? Obviously, three times two. So we're going to go by position here, not yeah, let's do guards. second, let's, third. Well, okay. we can whatever you want. Let's do guard. I want to do it by position because that's the way I think is most fun. So my my I started with three sure thing guards, Steph, Harden, and Dame. Very quickly it became clear to me that Kyrie is a sure thing. Kyrie's numbers are like off the charts, and people will point to the Celtics record without him. If you look at those games, the Philly win – after the All-Star break is like the only good win. Like the other wins are against crap teams mostly. Like they, the Kyrie's had a monster season, so that's four. Shooting woes aside, I'm putting Russ as a fifth one, I think. Is Russ on your is Russ in your conversation? Well, it's just first of all, the first three are a lot. Like there's no real argument. No, no, that that's you it's done. You, you, you there can't. was there was zero research done for those three names. Absolutely. Um I really struggle with the Kyrie dilemma. Really? Yeah. Uh I am wow. undecided on because the raw numbers are really good. They're really good. You start looking at the efficiency stuff, the true shooting, all of that. The like, on-off numbers are really good too. I'm going through it all. Uh, I'm with you on the schedule. A lot of times, the schedule will tell us the answers to the questions that we keep asking, but we just don't look at the like San Antonio is a great example of that right now. You go like, oh my gosh, they're terrible on the road, and then I go, okay, well let me just double check on what they've done during the streak, and you go, oh my god, they've beaten Denver, Oklahoma City, Golden State, uh, Milwaukee. I mean, uh, Portland. I'm they're like, twenty nine and seven at home and right. thirteen and twenty two on the road. That's but, crazy. But this team that I'd kind of stopped watching because I was like, yeah, I know what they are at this point. And then like, ah, they're kind of losing steam a little. And then you go, oh, or they're going to put together five of the best wins in two weeks yeah. that you've seen all season. So uh the schedule usually, as I said, gives you those answers. I'm still undecided on the Kyrie thing. On. I don't like being the guy that goes, oh, they're better without him. I've argued against it this year because I've seen so many games where Kyrie's totally saved their ass. I late. don't think there's an argument that they are, honestly. You don't think there's any argument that they're better without him? Against the best competition, I don't. I, the, the, it's not in the numbers. I thought it was going to be in the numbers. When I dove in. There's some efficient, there's some plus minus stuff that tells you like any argument that they're better without him is idiotic. Like, yes. so I'm siding with, I'm siding yeah, with you. The, it's I've, not in the numbers. It's not in the schedule. I looked for it because it's in the locker room. Because, but, 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 because I believe there is a real thing happening. Well, they've like, admitted I, to it. They've admitted guys. To it. This isn't us speculating. No, Age or, admitted to it. Age, remember, Age all, said, there's yeah. like five different guys on the record and saying so, how bad it's been. And it's a question of me. It's a question of can they score enough? Because there's no question Rogier or Smart at point guard and any, and Horford at center and three guys in between them, any three. They are going to be a monster defensive team. Monster. It's just a question of can they score enough? And this year the answer has been no. And their defense with him has been good enough. So I, he's, that's interesting. So you only have okay, three, so you, you have I'll, three locks? I have three locks. I don't have Kyrie as a lock. Wow. And I put Kemba on my second team. Because wow. Because he's played 11 more games than Kyrie. And that's when I watch, when I watch the Hornets. And Kemba's look, the other Supermax guy I forgot to bring right. him up. Right. There's, like I, I got really locked into the Hornets last night, and it was a really tough loss against the Sixers. And yes, Lamb is better, and, and even Dwayne Bacon was really aggressive last night. I appreciated that from him. Um, They're a tough watch. But 
I feel like Kemba, I gave a little bit more credit. Like when I, we'll get to the Jokic and Bead stuff here in a second, but I gave Kemba credit for doing this with probably the worst number two of all of these guys. So then for my third team, despite being now 62nd in true shooting percentage among point guards for Westbrook, it's atrocious. And that's, and think about this. That's with a nice little bump the last month. Yeah, he's been hot. He's been hot lately. <laughs> he's hot and he's, he must have been like a hundredth at one point before the all-star break. Cameron Payne may have been, may have been above him on the point. Cameron guard. Payne still thought he might be tough enough to play in the league. Uh, I put Westbrook third and I put Beal third. So I don't have Kyrie. You got Kyrie out. I got him out. Holy smokes. I know what the raw numbers are. I know all the, I know all the advanced so stuff. So you just, tells it's me. the lingering questions of is there something he's doing that's hurting their culture and their, aside from their defense. It's, you know, my tiebreaker for the second three is if I'm still not 100% sure if this team's better with or without you. And we can disagree about that. I'm undis, your vote is they're still better with him. I still feel like you're going to be right in a big playoff spot against premier talent. He's a guy that's going to get you buckets in a way very few guys can. Me being undecided feels wrong, but I just feel like there's been too much to this. And he's played, you know, he's played less games than some of these other guys. The games are interesting. I care about that less for all NBA than for other things. Um, if, as long as you get to like 60, uh, yeah, 60, right. 65, I, you know, I went in to the research. As I said, I had three locks, and Kyrie wasn't one of them. I went into the research kind of looking for reasons, to, not looking for reasons for either direction, but undecided on how much of a lock Kyrie was, and I was surprised at just what how strong the profile is. If you look at all just the raw numbers, it's absurd what I just did. Hey, look, we'll see. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how you leave Kemba out doing what he's done this year, and Beal's numbers are insane. But it's not as good of a team. So if you had Kyrie in over Beal, which you do, I'm not going to argue with you. And it just, even though I'm not always the biggest Westbrook guy at times, it felt so, a little ridiculous with his impact on a game, leaving him off of all three. Yeah, teams. you and I are aligned on Westbrook and that we're not big Westbrook guys, but it's like he's just, it's just undeniable what he, his imprint on a game night to night is, is, is undeniable. Yeah. Cause and, sometimes all the things I hate are awesome. And, and the degree to which like, Nobody wants to play against that dude. He's he's just ferocious and physical, and just he's just. He, he, and his he, defense has been, I think, steadier. Yeah. Uh, so Kemba Kemba is at twenty five six and four on forty three percent shooting, thirty six percent from three, forty eight from two, which is not great. No, Kyrie's shooting numbers, I think, are, are going to crush him. Right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Again, I don't <laughs> feel free to unload on me here. No, no, feel, I, do, I, 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 I know you're too respectful of other. He's a, to me, he's a lock. But I under look. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, what do we do with Jimmy Butler? What do we do with Anthony Davis? And Kyrie has wrought a lot of drama onto his team that has hurt their locker room and hurt their on court play at various points. Um, right now, I have him on the second team. You have Kyrie as Lillard's teammate. I yes, know. and then I have Russ's third team, and then a big question mark. In the sixth and final spot, in which I currently have Beal and over Kemba. Beal, so I just read you Kemba, 43, 36, 48 percentages. Beal is 26, five and a half, five and a half on 48% shooting, 36 from three, 55 from two. And I just, like. Look at the assistant rebound numbers for him, too, because that used to be the thing with Beal a little bit. You're like, I just need a little bit more from you. I just gave him to you, five yeah. and a half a piece. And I, I read some. 
Candace Buckner apparently took a straw poll of people and she said that the response indicated that the Wizards record was working against Beal. And I get that a little bit, but like whatever thing they have in the W column is because of him. And whatever thing they have in the L column is because of like literally every single thing about their team except for him. And you know who else's record sucks? Charlotte's. Charlotte's yeah. record sucks too. Yeah. Like, so I don't know what, I don't, if you're going to go that route, then a guy who has quietly, at least by some measures, played himself into a conversation for that spot is Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, for all the hand ring over his shooting slump, is back over 40%. I three. couldn't believe to see his number north of 40 at three points. It's he didn't insane. hit a shot for like a month plus to start the season. He had like How two is good that games. Possible? And then, you know, by the way, ESPN.com, the editors, please fix the new game log on the player profile because the game log, I live off of that, okay? Because it summarizes each month and the new update that just kicked in doesn't summarize the monthly averages when you look Ooh. at the game log. It's a huge, huge mistake. It's a PSA right there. Right. Good job. No, but it's like I know when people are like, oh, you are a new website. Everybody hates a new website. This is just a screw-up. Like you can't do this. You can't – I can't sit there and go on another site now to get the game log averages for the entire month. that You already calculated them for me. So the clay number, like if I go I, – I have like, – like I have these others, right? I go, okay, wait a minute. What about clay? And then I go, wait a minute. If I'm at clay, why isn't it DeRozan? Well, because Clay's better. Have you seen their numbers with the, the? They are like, they're like minus seven per hundred possessions with DeRozan on the floor. They're like stunningly better with DeRozan on the bench. Now, I don't believe that his impact is like that negative. He's had such a good month though. Throughout He's the had a very good month. And his clutch games, shooting yeah. numbers. By the way, another feather in Kyrie's cap. His crunch time numbers are like crazy. I think he's like eighteen of thirty from the field in the last three minutes of close games. Like that's crazy and in a small sample size of one one season that i think matters to me uh it it ever i love kemba i wrote a big glowing profile of kemba i think he's a, just an absolute monster i just don't see the case for him over bradley bill i don't see it i i don't i don't see where well, that's it what you is. put them both on like i did yeah no i i don't i think that spot will come down to those two guys because I think Kyrie and Russ will make it. So you think the Kemba thing here, we're really looking at like a 30-plus million dollar swing here. Like it's not a lock to you at all. That he's making all NBA? Yeah. No. And and it was a lock. And in like late November or early December, I can't remember exactly when. It was a total lock. I mean, he, he, was, he sprained his ankle. Yeah. And he has not been the same since. He's not had – he hasn't had any like – he hasn't had more than a few huge games. He's had a lot of like 10 of 25 kind of games. I just I look at the rest of that team and and they're still – like there's this group of teams. I put Atlanta in that group. Brooklyn's obviously in it. Sacramento despite the losses. There's these teams that aren't good that are fighting their ass off still. And I don't know. Maybe it's it's too much recency of going through and trying to watch – and go, well, who was, else does Kemba count on with this did group? Did you see this uh, James Borrego interview last night? They asked I really him, like him, so I, I, but I didn't I see did it. I did too, but so they asked him before the game, so before they lost to Philly when they were 31-38, and 38, they said one of the reporters asked him, when you fall out of the play, if you fall out of the playoff race or when you fall out of the playoff race, are you going to go young? Are you going to start playing more young, young guys? <laughs> you know, playing, playing deep bench guys, right. whatever. More bacon, a lot more bacon. Um, well, Bridges played, and, and he's and I thought, I thought his response gonna, was going to be, "Are you are you kidding? We're two games out in the loss column. We have we have important head to head games left. 
we're tied with Orlando in the loss column for ninth, two games behind Miami. Like, what kind of question is that? And instead, he was like, you know, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we come to it. I was like, Jesus, it's like they just they they seem resigned to. And then you read some of the coverage of the team, like Rick Bono came out and he straight out the first sentence of his column was, I, I, I'm not sure Kemba's staying anymore and I'm not sure that he should. It seems like everyone there is just resigned, like, to, they're just not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Well, as much as I've just spent all this time talking about Kemba and we're probably doing too much on Charlotte, I do think Kemba falls into that group of, I like him so much, I wouldn't want to pay him 220 million. And I well, know the rule number one is, you know, keep the asset even when you don't want to, but, you know, like I have a feeling – like I'll say this right now. I think if Kyrie bolts, it's going to be a blessing this guy's the Celtics. I don't think that's crazy to say. As someone who says he's a lock for all NBA, that's a lot of money. So this brings me to my other point. He's not – Kyrie's not super max eligible, right? But Beal right, is. because he was traded. And Beal is – if he doesn't make it this year, he's still eligible next year. Yeah. But anyway, let's say Beal makes it. And the Wizards will never say so publicly. Won't even say it privately. They're for sure rooting against him making it because they don't want to have to pay. Well, him I don't blame him for that. No, I don't yeah. either. So, so by the way, you know what? For all the Lakers getting crushed for all the the leaks, you don't hear a lot of wizard leaks. Now that you bring that up, yeah. So good job, Wizards. And every, if Beal's eligible for the supermax, everybody will say, "Well, he's not good enough for the supermax. Like the supermax is, is supposed to be reserved for like a. It's going to cripple your cap. He's just not that good Too of a late. player. But he's eligible for it, so he's going to want it, and he's yeah. going to get it yeah. if if." I am, I, I, this is a very complicated argument, but I do think the Supermax has backfired in lots of ways. Um, and, and a lot of those contracts are albatrosses because these players who are not quite top eight, like you can win a title with this guy as your best player, players become eligible for it in the league. And so teams decide we, we got to get out of this. We got to get out of DeMarcus Cousins. We got to get out of some of these other guys or they pay John Wall's contract and it's a disaster and the league. Because they must say that everything is good, although they're less like that now than they used to be, will say, well, no, actually, the Supermax functioned correctly in those cases because it made those teams think about, is that guy really worth building around? And they made a, they made a decision. I don't really buy that, but here's my proposal. The rule is if you make all NBA two out of three years or the year immediately before you're eligible for the extension, you're eligible for it. I just think, you can, if you're a really good player, you can kind of stumble into a third team all NBA. Not stumble in, like you gotta play awesome, but like two guys get hurt that are better than you and you have an amazing year and all of a sudden you're like third team all NBA, even though like no one kind of thinks of you that way. So I think for guards and forwards, it should be you have to make first or second team all NBA. That's my proposal. You have to make first or second team. Third team you can't make. For centers, third team remains okay because they only get three spots and not six. That's my proposal. I think you have to make second team. You can't, you can't yeah. stumble into a second team all NBA. Yeah, cause there is a, a thing if you hit it right, I mean, it can feel a little wrong. Like with more years of this information collected, yeah. we'll have a guy who stumbles into a third team where he becomes eligible immediately for it. And you're like, well, this is ridiculous. And then it's up to the team to say no. But the problem is like, you can sit there and say Beal isn't worth this. If Beal were available this summer, free and clear, and you could sign him for whatever you'd want to sign, he would get that. I mean, just just the way it works. Because if you have the cap space, you don't know when you can or cannot use it. And if you just know exactly who you're getting, like it's just – I mean, you know that. I don't need to tell you this, but I just – I've always thought about how do you fix this? Like how do you fix this idea that when you have the cap space, you end up using it on guys you don't want to use? And I can't come up – I like you and I have talked about this stuff for years. 
I have a different proposal, not to say that that one's different, because the whole point of the Supermax is to prevent guys, like how do we figure out a way to get the power back on this player movement thing? And it's actually totally backfired. It's it's worse now. And in a way, we're, we should credit the players because we're saying, wait a minute, it's not about every last dollar, even though it can drive you nuts when a guy with a year or two years left on the deal says, I want to move on. How about for every time you make a public trade demand, the team can add a club option? That's not going to go over well with with the <laughs> no, union or me. I'm but kidding, I'm that, kidding. Uh, um, I bet I'll bet you this though. I'll bet you they'll separately. I, I would. I think they're going to change the supermax outside the you know the CBA doesn't expire for another whatever years. I I think they might try to negotiate a change to the supermax. Well, the, all they did was like, hey, we'll offer even way more money, so that'll cut down on yeah. player movement, and that's the it hasn't even come close. To but that. I think the sort of easiest way to do it, and I think it will settle onto the easiest way to do it if they actually do anything, is let's just make it more of an advantage for the home team, which I think would be another year. I could see them saying we're gonna let let's make them six year contracts, and which then is it's, then it's six versus because, four, which is exactly what they didn't want. Right, it's, right. So now they're back at that. What they should just do is figure out a way that. There's a, there's a number you go to, and then above that number, it doesn't count towards your cap or something. But then it kind of is where we're at now in a way where it's like if you're eligible for this thing. So then what will happen is you'll have 30 – you'll have the best player in every team, especially for the teams that don't have one of the great players. He'll just be like, well, yeah. I need you for me to go way over. You know, you need to hook me up. Because that used to be the thing when we were younger. Everybody had a max guy. Yeah, everyone. It, the worst teams had a max, a max guy because yeah. he'd be like, ah, I get that's, six, what, that's yeah. what David Falk's argument against the max has been for years and years is that the best player on every team is a max guy and there's only like six guys that are actually max guys. Yeah, I proposed a whole bunch of cap, cap related tweaks to the super max last summer that I don't want to get into now. Let's go to forwards. Listeners, hiring, I can imagine, is one of those things that can be challenging and time-consuming. There are hundreds of job boards. Do you have to post your ad on every one? How do you know that you're not missing the one job board that has the right person? But there's one place where you can go that makes it simple, fast, and smart, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash LowPost, the name of this podcast. ZipRecruiter sends your job automatically to over 100 of the web's leading job boards and they don't even stop there they have powerful matching technology that scans thousands of resumes and proactively finds people with the right experience and then double proactively invites them to apply to your job you've done nothing except use zip recruiter bam they found people for you zip recruiter is so effective that 80 percent of employers that's a lot if you shoot 80 percent from the foul line that's pretty good 80 percent of employers who post on zip recruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day, you pretty much can't do any better than that. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free, zero, nothing at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LowPost, the name of this podcast, L-O-W-E-P-O-S-T. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LowPost, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, again, six All-NBA forwards. So I keep reading these things. On Twitter, you look very pensive right now. This is going to be good. Very, very pensive. I keep reading these things like, okay, LeBron has made the playoffs X years in a row. Well, that streak's over. Okay, LeBron's finished top five in MVP X years in a row. Well, that streak's over. The latest one is like LeBron's made first team All NBA X years in a row. Boy, is, the, is that streak going to be over? I, I mean, maybe I'm being an idiot. I think it's over. I don't think he's making first team All NBA. There's first no of all, way he's first of all, Giannis is in, so that's one forward spot. Well, I would think the MVP. 
right there with Harden right. would be making you're for a in. team. Yeah. And then, so you're telling me, like, is it a question that LeBron might make it over Kevin Durant and Paul George? No, right? Like, he's not making first team All NBA. That streak is, should be over. No, and I foolishly kind of forgot how many games Kawhi had missed. So when I looked at it, I was like, well, wait a minute. I've got like four guys ahead of him. And when Simmons and I did this the first time on his podcast, it was closer to LeBron not being on it. But he's not first team. He's just not. I mean, Giannis is the MVP. Paul George has been in the MVP uh, MVP conversation, and except for the shoulder thing where he's slumping now, shooting. So, you know, unfortunately, he's not going to finish as strong as Harden or Giannis. But uh, if you're voting LeBron first team right now, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. You're just wrong. You shouldn't have a vote. He, now, so so that means that I assume then the second first team spot comes between Paul George and KD, which is a fascinating discussion on lots of different levels. Are you leaning either way, or am I missing? Am I forgetting somebody? Durant finds a way to have these incredible overlook seasons. This, this is and, one. This is another We're one. living in one right now. And honestly, look, Curry's kind of also having one of those. Oh, my God. Curry's having a ridiculous season. What it's he so did against the T-Wolves so... last night was just so – you know what I've been doing lately is like when somebody has those monster quarters, he had 22 in the third quarter against the T-Wolves, and he finished with 14 straight points at like the three-minute mark. And I go back and I'll watch and count the points off just to see – and Giannis had it this weekend too against yeah. the Sixers, and I went back. I was like, "All right, I want to watch." To see him, I'm like, "Wait a minute, he just had 14 in three minutes." Yeah, and then you rewind it and you go, "This wasn't like this was stupid." Yeah. Oh, but he actually had like nine in 48 seconds. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's stuff throws, like that. A three, they got to yeah. turn over another three, yeah. and you just go, "Oh, all right, yeah, just put me down for 22." Yeah, an, an effortless 22 in the third quarter. So uh, Durant has has some of that. I can't. I can't put LeBron over Durant. Um, the, the the Durant Paul George thing is just a very hard. There's just no. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to pick between those two guys. Just because George is struggling, I feel like throughout throughout the season, especially with how bad Westbrook shot at the first half of the year, and you know Oklahoma City's got their own problems right now. I'm not off of them necessarily, but I just love this Paul George season because in the very first couple weeks, I was like, here we go again. You know, Paul George. Can't close. And then, like, from the moment I started thinking, like, man, Oladipo. Like, I actually tweeted out, like, I'd rather go to war with Oladipo than Paul George. And then ever since I said Paul George has been insane. So I don't know if this is, like, a retroactive thing with him. But I I guess I've just felt, look, I know Durant's the better player. But this season, I feel like George, despite this slip up here, has been steadier. Yeah, it's interesting because defensively, I think PG has been significantly better. Durant's been coasting on defense a lot of the year. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, on the other hand, Durant um, – is a better, much better first option. Like, and that's even reflected in his assist numbers this year. Even though he's the third playmaker in the starting five, um, and sometimes the fourth now that they have Cousins. By the way, have you noticed the couple times with Cousins and it's, it happened? Like, there's still some weirdness. Like, so Bogut and Durant—that's the first game they've played yeah. together. And Bogut went to set Durant, uh, set a screen for Durant against the T Wolves, and Durant looked at him like. What are you doing? And then Bogut looked at other guys and be like, what is this guy new here? Like, as if, <laughs> like as if Bogut hadn't been gone the whole time. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. I, I come here. I set ridiculous screens yeah. and then you play make off of that. Like, that's what we did a couple years ago. And I've noticed it with cousins too, where if he comes up high, he doesn't want to roll ever. And you'll see Steph or you'll see somebody else because they don't do that action, but like Steph will look at cousins and be like, Oh, you just. You set the screen and now you're done with this yeah, possession. Yeah. Like you're not you're standing there now. Right. Like this is what happens is off my, off the screen you set for me, everybody stays with me 
and you have a wide open path and all you have to do is give me the effort and, and make that cut. It's, and it's cousins like, have you not watched me the first? Yeah, like, I don't do that. It's not going to happen. So anyway, back to what you were saying. So, so KD clearly a better alpha dog than Paul George, right? And so like that, that becomes like, okay, so I, I know that Kevin Durant is better. Yeah. Like, sometimes right. you just have to get a Kevin Durant's a better player, but PG's had such an incredible season. I, I, I don't know which way I'm quite leaning, but I think both are fine choices and you slide one to second team. And then I think LeBron fits on the second team only because Kawhi has missed so many games. If Kawhi had played a full season at his level, at Kawhi's level, LeBron's on third team. Well, no, because yeah, I mean that's the thing about Kawhi's numbers, despite these missed games, is they're insane, and they're insane. And that's—I'll ask you this because I think you've been really good on Toronto this year. Is part of me is incredibly impressed that they're this close to being the one seed with all the different injuries that they've had and the, the job Nick Nurse has done, and just seeing it be different, like all these different coaches to see how different the Bucks are with Budenholzer to see. Nurse in this approach where they don't get bogged down like they used to. And let's face it, look, Kawhi's a better player than DeRozan. But is this going to hurt them because they haven't, like, all these moving pieces and still trying to figure out how Gasol's going to work and all the different lineups they've tried with him and Kawhi not, are they just going to be fine game one to start the playoffs or do you have any reservations that there actually hasn't been enough continuity built here? Because, I, I mean, if there wasn't, the record would be worse. I know it's the easy answer, but it's just something I've been thinking about. I have some reservations because I do think that matters. I think the Sixers are going through that too. Like, they're kind of in a rush job to try and figure out, you know, what rotation. You see Brett Brown every two or three games, he'll try some new kind of rotation. Like, Simmons and Embiid play all the time together now. We used to stagger them, this, that, and the other. Yeah, I he think, was doing the Harris-Butler pairing yeah, this week. I, I, I think that matters. Well, definitely against Milwaukee. But I, I think the first round for Toronto is going to be a, a fairly easy series. So they should kind of have that to like work out some of the kinks. Although the world deserves Detroit-Toronto first round. It's looking very unlikely that that's going to happen because Detroit would have to go to seven. And Brooklyn's schedule is absolutely hellacious. But, boy, that would be fun. Dwayne Casey revenge tour. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I know he won Coach of the Year, and everybody likes making the Coach of the Year joke. Was it wrong now that we've seen the product? No, but they're three and zero against the Raptors, which means absolutely nothing to me. It's just funny. Um, and I'd have be... to look back and see who was playing. No, there there have been some there have been some missed games. Yeah, um, uh, for Toronto. So you have LeBron second team, Kawhi third team, and then. I assume, right? LeBron, you got second yep. team. Yeah, because then if they've played about the same amount of games, then you just say, well, I know who's better between those guys. Le- LeBron's better, so he gets the second team spot. Yeah, and I've been, you know, critical of the LeBron defensive stuff, uh, as I would say as much as anybody the last couple of years, because you just, I love watching the guy still, yeah. but I can just see what he's doing and what he's not doing. And I thought there was a little stretch before the injury where it looked like, okay, he's, he's, he's not going to coast as much as he was in the beginning of the year. And then since he's come back, uh, and especially now with this whole thing being a mess, but I can't. He can't. You can't leave him off. I, the only thing I could see you doing is if you went Durant, because at least like LeBron's missed games are because of an injury. Kawhi's aren't. I think that's advantage LeBron for and, sure. And the raw numbers for LeBron, if you're the LeBron sycophant, you just bang in the desk with the fact that look is, at these overall numbers. It is crazy that he can play like 75% of the game between the three-point lines and put up like 28, 12, and 12. Like, it's, it's just crazy. No, it's such a good point, man. Because I've, I've had games where I've, I'm like, wow, he is absolutely mailing this one in. Yeah. Or he doesn't want to initiate anything. And then 
it's almost like I think he's smart enough to know where he goes. Okay, if I go max effort here, six minutes. I'm going to get like eight eight points, a couple well, free throws, a couple dimes. I'll grab every rebound and everybody else. And then I'll look up and be like, how the hell did he go 27, 11, and 10? Well, the how classic for me was last year, Cleveland, Indiana, first round. I kept what no one that they had could guard him in the post. Like Bodanovich couldn't really guard him in the post. It looked like he could. And then everyone else, like Lance, they were throwing at him. And I kept waiting for him to post up. And it, like he waited till game seven with their season on the line to be like, yeah, just give me the ball like nine times in a row and I'm going to score every time or we're going to get an open three. Like he waited till game seven. He didn't like game six. Yeah, that's cool. Like I don't need to, don't need to do it yet. Game seven. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it game seven. No, that's um, such a good point. Cause if you think about how funny it can be in the moment with these series, like when somebody gets down one Oh, if somebody gets down two Oh, we're like, Oh my God. You know, I just, I thought about writing like an entire synopsis of the playoffs one year on Twitter and just making it a thread. It's like, you know who, you know, LeBron doesn't want to face the Miami Heat in the first <laughs> round. Like Wade, like revenge. They know how to play against him. And then it would just be like, I think this is a couple years ago. It's like 4 like, Cleveland. Right. Like it does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it doesn't even matter. What about Blake? So that's the, the last forward spot is going to be interesting. And, uh, I, I, I think it's probably Blake. Um, did you have any other, who, who else is interesting to you? We, we didn't mention Ben Simmons in either guard or forward, actually. That's a name that deserves mention and will be eligible, I think, at either spot. I'm fine with not mentioning it. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm not going to put him on all NBA team, I don't think, but I, I, no, I don't, I don't even, it didn't really even cross my mind. Wow. Yeah. Just the lack of a jump shot. I like certain parts of his game so much, but, I, you know, I'll wait to see how it goes in the playoffs, but he really feels like a guy that smart teams can kind of scheme against. And I think the Celtics did a good job of that last year. And part of that is, you know, the first thing they try to do with how Horford holds position on Embiid and Embiid kind of stays parallel. You know, it's, that's the thing. And we'll see how that plays out tonight. But wait a minute. Do we know about Horford? Is he not playing? Uh, I have not. I have not All seen. Right. I have not Sorry for this being Twitter. dated by the time that I should have. That's okay. I'm a pro. So and I, I, I just done that. don't see. Wait so, a minute. So what are you doing with this Simmons thing? Are we doing the be nice and mention him thing? Because there's yeah, no mention, argument for him to be on. He's shooting 57 percent, and he's putting like up eight, eighteen, eight, and eight, playing decent defense. Well, I think his defense has actually been worse this season than it was last year. Um, when I considered him for an all defense spot, when we first saw it, right, we're going. This guy is going to be a game changing guy. And I was okay with that because it was just ridiculous. Like, oh, my God. He just gets to the hoop at will. Like, what do you do with him? And he totally screws up your defensive matchups with a with a backcourt. Like, if you have a small backcourt, like on paper, if you look at who the Celtics guards are here, like this should be a problem, even though they have an abundance of wings that they can kind of try to figure out cross-matching. But uh, I've watched too many Sixers games where I go, he's a liability tonight. And most of these guys that we're talking about, I can I can bang on Westbrook's shot selection all I want, but I'm actually surprised you brought him up because I feel like there's like when there when there's no Embiid, that's the other problem is I feel like he and Embiid are actually kind of the worst talent pairing. Like they're they're bad basketball fits for each other, and they both be better away from each other. Yeah, but finding a way to make that work is going to be hard. Finding a way to to like like everyone wants him to trade Simmons, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah, I'm not even necessarily saying. I just when you see that, I mean, does that seem absurd to you? I know like talent is talent, and it's talent impossible is talent. To write, like it's, it's no, it's, he's it's, never going to be able to shoot. Saying okay? that, saying saying that they're not an ideal fit, I think is obviously correct. Um, 
figuring out how to pivot away from one yeah, of them right. is, not, is very difficult. No, we are in total agreement on that one. I'm not saying like, hey, here are all these great – but when I – I don't want to hear any more national broadcasts talk about how much time he puts in a shooting because there's nothing from last year to this year that – like whatever your practice habits are, do them differently. And, you know, there's vets. You know how it is when you're sitting out in the jump and they're like, oh, shooting is the last thing to develop. You hire a shooting coach. There's no sign of that. So whatever trajectory he was on, I've I've just put it on a pause, even though there are nights where I do love him. So I've heard that he shoots threes in practice, to which I say, well, I don't really I don't really care what he does in practice anymore. Like, it's like just like if he can't shoot, then he can't shoot. Like, I don't want to – like, it doesn't matter to me that he can shoot in practice. I don't care – you know, you can know this without ever playing in the pros. You've played high school, college, certainly. There are things you do in practice that you think you can't wait to unveil in a game. And if you're not comfortable with it, you never do it in the game, no matter how good it looks in practice. You're like, oh, I learned this post move, or I've started working on this baby hook, or, you know, this is, this is going to be this new thing that I'm going to do. I remember Kobe had this baseline dribble once where he left the ball on the baseline, turned away from it, so the defender shaded him back to the left away from the baseline. And then Kobe came back and picked up the basketball and drove and dunked. And I went, what the hell was that? <laughs> and I imagine either it was a mistake or something. But most most of the stuff that guys do, like you kind of – I don't want to say no one – I mean, look, this, this sounds really stupid to say people don't develop. Of course they develop. But there is a real thing with basketball players where – there's all sorts of stuff you do in practice, but you just never mentally become comfortable enough to do it in a game. And clearly that's Ben Simmons and his shooting. Well, I had Brett Brown on my podcast last week, and I asked him – I don't know the exact wording I used, but I asked him essentially, how hard does Ben work? Because there are whispers. Yeah. I think I even used the word whispers. You hear whispers. Like, does he really want it? Does he care enough? And Brett defended him as I knew Brett would, but I wanted to at least ask the question. And Brett said, well, I, I can see the practice court from my office, so I see him out here. Shooting jump shots. I see how hard he works. Um, I think it's going to be Blake for the last All NBA spot for forwards. I thought about a lot of different guys. I'm kind of happy for Blake, by the way. Yeah, me too. Uh, Couldn't find one. I'll tell you who has an underrated case: Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> I would have voted him first team if it was right after that Celtics game where I watched him in person, where he had like 11 before the tip. Not going to get it though. Centers. Do we agree? Well, I guess you have to kind of come to it come to some sort of internal agreement about like is Anthony Davis just disqualified from all NBA voting I think most voters will vote will say yes um, if you're playing under a minutes limit for like the last 25 games of the season I just don't think it it your season really counts if I'm playing or applying the same Kyrie principle here which I expect to get killed for New Orleans has been better without Davis in this resurgence there's a thing happening there where the thing has been such a mess that I'm not saying major league, but you can't be sitting in the fourth quarter of games because of how screwed up this whole thing is. And it sucks because I like him as much as any single player in this league. And I picked him to win defensive player of the year this year. Didn't well, work out for me. Think about how good he's been and who he was before all this stuff went crazy. I, that's <laughs> Of all the regrets of how the Anthony Davis stuff has played out, and there's a lot from a bunch of different angles, just from a basketball standpoint – what he was doing, that next tier that he took it to, I wanted to see 
what what this could be. I mean, if they were flirting with five hundred and eight seed, which you know I don't know if they were, and some of that can be on him considering how good Drew has been. Uh, Drew's been awesome, by the way. Awesome. He deserves mention for that last guard spot. Not going to get it, but no. He, he, but I mean, defensive player of the year. When I was doing all that stuff last night in preparation for this, it was like, okay, make sure you just at least mention him. And he his net. I mean, if you care about these things. The difference between the Pelicans with him on the court and off the court is like maybe the biggest in the league. It's like 19 points or some crazy. That's a crazy. Crazy. Number. They're like a. That's deal. overall not defensive. That's possession. overall. That's right. like they're plus whatever and then minus a giant amount when he's on the bench. Yeah, because when I looked at it, I don't know when it was calculated finally, but there was like Andre Drummond. When you're trying to look at him as a defensive player of the year, the the on off defensive numbers weren't really great for him, despite you know the absurd rebounding and all that kind of stuff, but. Drew had some really, really impressive, almost Rudy Gobert for a guard type numbers. But, but on a, Davis is out. Davis is out for me because it's just I just can't do that. And I, I'm, I don't. And it sucks because it was going to be awesome. If well, he, he had a game against Dallas, and it was sometime over Christmas, New Year's, because I was at my in laws' house and I was watching this game, and he had like eight post ups in that game, and all of them were different moves, and all of them were super polished. And all of them were like the defender had no chance. No, it's Dallas. It's not like he was facing Joel Embiid or something. But like he was just clowning these dudes with like Olajuwon level combinations of power and grace. And I was like, well, this is over. Like if this dude can now post up like this and and face up and do all the, it was and look at like, the assist numbers too that he's put. It's like, like twice I, his career. I, 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 right, I just was sitting there going. I wanted to mention him. I think I did my podcast when I was doing like the halfway stuff and I put him third in the MVP vote. And then by the end of the podcast, I was like, wait a minute, you can't do this. They haven't won enough games. And I just corrected myself like mid thought process. Just an aside, because I'd actually like to pick your brain on this. What do you think now happens with the market with him considering what's happened to the Lakers assets and, you know, the Kyrie part? Because the Kyrie thing is a major factor in who's bidding on this guy. So the. The Ingram prognosis, as far as everyone knows, is great. Is as best as could possibly be with the blood clot, right? Like, so the, let's just assume Ingram returns, continues playing at the level he was playing before this injury was discovered, or the blood clot was discovered. He was playing great. He's playing the best of his career. Lonzo, Lonzo's an eye of the beholder guy. I just don't know what to think of him anymore. Hart, eh. Who else is in that? Zubas is gone because they just, I guess, thought they had to trade him to get Mike Muscala. It makes literally no sense. That's actually kind of the sneakiest, worst transaction. Well, that, if if of your all front of office doesn't know what they're doing, that's the kind of trade you make. I can't believe that. I still can't get that one. Like, I still even understand some of the contracts that he didn't want to redo just for the idea that they were going to just go crazy with the second guy and slotting him in. But if they're willing to but, include a bunch of picks, it's still a, Ingram plus ball plus a bunch of picks and whatever else is a good offer. We'll see. We'll see. Do you think the Celtics should do it if Kyrie leaves? I they'll they will if you ask them that now, they will put on the brave Danny Ainge face and say trader Danny doesn't care. We're, we're confident in our culture. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They didn't want to trade for Paul George before when they thought he was going to leave. So it's not like they'll just always trade for anybody. If he's if Kyrie has telegraphed that he's leaving, no matter what you do, no matter if you bring him in or not, yeah. I just don't think you can you can offer like some non Tatum stuff. Yeah. And maybe then it's worth it. But if Kyrie's out and he's let you know he's out, I just don't think you can really do it. And and then so the hot prediction I don't think you can do it too, by the way. There's there's no I imagine if you lost Kyrie and A D and back to back and all the no, assets you collectively you'll put together to grab those two guys and you lose them back to back summers. 
I mean, that's the part of me where I say that Kyrie leaving might be the blessing in disguise because of the contract, because of the two knee injuries, not his age. I mean, he's still only, what, 27 this summer? Or no, 27 this month. I think it was this month. Yeah, he's absurdly um, young. Given he's, how- right. But part of me does want to see – I know this sounds ridiculous, holding out any hope for Gordon Hayward. Um, Doesn't sound ridiculous. He's year one from a traumatic leg he injury. Still should, it still feels like he should be better, but you're being nicer about it than I am, and you're probably right. No. But Tatum I- regressing here – like Tatum hasn't been very good, and I'm like, wait a minute, what what happened here? Like you're this rookie who looked like one of the best closers in the playoffs. Like what's happened? I guess one of the other positives is at least Jalen is playing like Jalen again uh, after yes. the first half of the season, looking like he was completely lost. But I wonder, I wonder how Tatum would look. I wonder how Jalen would look. How Gordon would look if it was more of a deferring point guard. And I don't even know if that is Rozier because when he comes in the game, he's like, he wants to ev- shoot. Yeah, everybody get out of my way. He's not a great playmaker, actually. Rozier, Rozier has been overrated for a long time. Oh, I would want to get that. I would think if they were like, okay, Kyrie actually left, and the people like, oh, they'll be fine with Terry. No, I'd be like, no, nah, they, they, they need a different guy. They need Marcus, to- but Marcus Smart's better than Terry. Just start Marcus Smart at point guard. No comment. Okay. Wow. So obviously, if Kyrie telegraphs that, hey, if you get AD, I'm staying, then you get AD and everything's hunky-dory and life goes on. And Kyrie's just sort of is, is a great player, but he's not as great a player as Anthony Davis. And so you, he, it, they rise and fall kind of together. The hot prediction du jour among GMs and front office people. And this is, I don't, this is not reporting. Like I hate when people report. Oh, people on other teams think X, Y, and Z as if that's news. That's just gossip. Okay. So I'm just the, 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 the smart guy gossip is there's going to be a surprise team that we're not even thinking about that comes out and rolls the dice. Now, some of those people mean the Knicks, which is not a surprise team. It's not a surprise if, team. if the Knicks right. get a top two pick at number one gets interesting. Um, that's not a surprise. I don't know who the surprise team would be. I just, I haven't been able to sort of put my finger on like Chicago. I don't see it. I'm just telling you what I'd heard the beginning of this odyssey. Yeah, no, because like he's that from was, there and that's – No, the, it wasn't even that. Like I'm talking some of the rumblings, the people that knew what was going on with him. Like, I've still to this day – his father has more of a problem with Boston than Anthony Davis ever did. His father wants him here in L.A. And that's that's why the father has said the things about the Celtics that he said. But that Davis is far more – Open to it, but he's not going to be as open to it if Kyrie bounces. But Chicago was one of those teams. I also felt like, too, like some of the sourcing on the Anthony Davis stuff was basically, you know, the whispers of let's not make this so obvious that it's only the Lakers. So I don't know if I, you know, being told, hey, maybe Chicago, maybe Houston, maybe this other stuff. I'm like, is this even real or is this just let's make sure the Well, for Chicago's purposes, like, so just say you – to get Anthony Davis, you have to trade Markkinen. Yeah, you might have to trade Carter. You got to trade your best stuff. So I'm like, what is he staying there to play with? Like, I'm gonna have Zach Levine not pass to me, yeah. and take shitty twenty footers and play no defense, and that's like gonna be the carrot. And like Chris Dunn is maybe a backup point guard, not a starter. Like mm-hmm. that's what's gonna get me to stay. Um, so who knows? I it's gonna be. I'm sitting here gearing up for the playoffs. I'm trying to kind of stay home for the last 10 days of March and, and, and just sort of not rest up, but like rest up a little bit. And then like you get all geared up. Like what are the first round matchups going to be this night? And then you like zoom out and you're like July one to eight. That's the whole thing. It's like, it's like you, you, July one to eight. It's going to be awesome. That's like, that's <laughs> apologies to the first probably two, maybe three rounds of the playoffs. Right. Like July one to eight is the whole thing. Right, because it's all connected. I mean, the Durant, Kyrie thing. 
Yeah, it, it is connected. It is connected so to how those teams do in the playoffs. That's fair. But well, no, I mean it's like it's it's connected with just the way it feels like a bunch of like cool guys figuring out where they're going for spring break, and if <laughs> if if one guy influences the other that they want to go to. Cabo instead of Puerto Vallarta, then it's but just they all everybody... kind of want to be the coolest guy in the group. Yeah, but not everyone can be the coolest guy in the group. No, that's but, why. But, that's why I always kind of laugh. But Kawhi just wants to stay in his hotel room and like read Nietzsche or something, like whatever the equivalent of that guy on spring break is. Kawhi just wants to be by himself. <laughs> um, let's go rapid fire through a couple more awards. Hardest one for me. You know what the hardest one for me is? Defensive Player of the Year. I just am a big shoulder shrug. Did we do all the centers, by the way? Eh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Embiid, Who'd you go Jokic. First team? Jokic I have it. I have it decided. Embiid, Jokic, Towns in some order, right? And Towns is eligible Towns for Supermax too. Yeah, I think Towns is third. Yeah, I don't. He I has to be. I everyone's like, so is this Towns. Towns is making a late push for NBA. Is he gonna make it? I'm like, who's making it over him? If you disqualify Davis, who's made, Towns has been insane for two months now. The three point shooting for him now, and you know he was. They were putting up the whole stat panel because I really like the T Wolves announcers, and you know it's just there's just stuff with him where you go, my God! And the the sad thing about that is that like Wiggins, everybody's off of him. That's and, what I wanted to say to your point about we usually know stars early, and Kawhi is an exception. You said that earlier. The people who who Don Wiggins in his rookie year. And mostly they were analytics people like 538 had the piece that was like, maybe Andrew Williams is bad. And everyone was like, ah, oh, you can't do that. You can't find him so early. It's early. It's like, maybe Andrew Williams is bad. Maybe those people were right. Maybe we know early for that too. I don't know if you can do this because, you know, the NFL gets people get really upset now when we hear about these combine questions that are asked to try to throw the guy off and rattle him. And some of the questions are absurd. I think you should have like every perimeter player has to, you just hand him like three mazes. Like beginner, <laughs> intermediate, and advanced. And I feel like Wiggins would just, he would have a hard time with a maze. And then we go, hmm, maybe we don't max this guy. Cause when I watch him do stuff, like there was, I mean, some really simple stuff. There was a transition situation where they were having to get back defensively. And there was a guy going like right down the middle. And there was a help defender with Wiggins in the paint. And Wiggins ran away from Curry in the corner. Curry was in the corner in transition, and Wiggins ran away from him to, like, double the ball handler. And Should you go, not do that. You go, if that's what you're still doing at this point, and that just – honestly, this is kind of like a pro-towns thing more than anything. No, I, I, sounds- wrote, I wrote this last week. For all the, all the drama in Minnesota and all the losing and, you know, one playoff appearance since KG's prime and all that stuff – do they have anything you can look at going forward and say, I'm really excited about that other than Towns? Like a Kogi, a Koji is fine. He's fine. He's been actually he's fine. really he, good, I he, think. He's a I rotation mean, player. He's he, for he's, sure a rotation for player. For all these guys that we try to label 3 and D in draft night, and not even 10% of them end up being, because it's just like, you know, if everybody were a 3 and D, 6, 7, and can right. switch everything, and then also hit like 38%, well, 38 is high, 35. an absolute beast. Yeah, and he's starting to hit – I don't know if the game log breaks down that he's been up, but it feels like he hits more shots when I watch him. He's or, 28% from three. Oh, on the season? Yep. 
Has it gotten any better? We can't tell now from ESPN.com. 46% from two. He's going to be a rotation player. Oh, no. No doubt he's a rotation yeah. guy. I think maybe when he hits a three and I'm watching the game and they're like, oh, man, he's really coming along. So maybe that's one of those deals where, uh, well, that needs to be a better number for him to be somebody that's really going to be out there playing 30-something minutes like, a night. Like Teague is just gone. Uh, Teague is not part of their future. No, and that and, number. And Bates' job is fine. So, like yeah. he has the outline, he like is a very blurry outline of a useful rotation player, and, and we'll see. Uh, defensive player of the year, I, I don't, I don't know. Could be Giannis, could it be Embiid, could be Gobert, could be PG. Don't think it's gonna be Draymond. Don't think it's gonna be Miles Turner. I think Draymond's making more of a case uh, than he was in the beginning, and saying that I'm immediately stopping myself because he's not the defensive player of the year. Like beginning of the year, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't happening. Right. Um, but they've. That whole group, like none of those guys can do it because you can't be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA as Golden State had been. And they've clearly just decided that that's not a priority this year, yep. which I think is understandable when you've been this good and they expect to flip the switch, which they kind of did a little bit last year. But I looked at it all. I I don't love all the defensive numbers. Pretty funny. Not that long ago, was talking with an assistant in person. We were talking about a game that we both watched. This person hates all the defensive numbers, and I was like, okay, but you know, I feel like the defensive numbers, the extremes, can tell you some truths in yeah, there. You got to so, look at them, right? When when I watch him and he go, "Is this guy awful on defense?" and then he has one of the worst defensive plus minuses at his position, I go, okay, well, yes, this my yeah. eyes have been backed up here by some of the numbers, but there's just so many things that can get lost in all of it. I still went Gobert. I just did. So so Gobert Embiid is really interesting for this reason. The reason you just said, like, if you look at, I've looked at all these, like, second spectrum numbers we have, but, like, right. points per possession allowed on pick and rolls and post-ups, like, Gobert's numbers are better than Embiid's. When I watch them, my eye test says Gobert hasn't been quite as good this year. That more big guys are kind of taking it at him, like Steven Adams, like, takes it at him, and that Embiid's a little quicker, a little more athletic, and just a little better. But the numbers say Gobert's been a little better. So I don't know what to do. And Giannis, Giannis is just... He's the number one guy on the just number one freak. defensive team. He's just, he guards right. every position. He's everywhere all the time. He gets steals. And he's like a Lajuan level steals and blocks. It's it's crazy. I wouldn't have a problem with any of the votes for those or guys. Or PG. Um, remember so, Gobert, though, to compare him to last year, Gobert, do you remember when you and I did this? You emailed me and you said, what are you doing with Defensive Player of the Year? And I said, did you... Had you looked at Gobert's numbers? Because I go, the last time I looked at the on-off-court stuff with him, I thought it was a mistake. It's not like that this year, though. It isn't, but it doesn't mean that No, he's, you know, still, he's, he's still really, really good. And and the weird Embiid number that I looked at is like the rim on-off. with like It's the same. It's it's slightly worse with Embiid on the floor, which doesn't make any sense. And that's where I look at that and be like, wait a minute. How is it possible that they've actually been better at protecting the rim? Because there's – Look, just this past weekend, he had some plays against Milwaukee where you thought there was no chance he was in the play, that he couldn't oh, recover. He, he comes he, out of nowhere. For a guy that big. I give him this. He he's closes, a better recoverer yep. than, than I think anybody I've ever seen at that he size. He closes like space better stuff. than Gobert. He's yeah. out of plays and then he comes back and he's pinning that against the glass and it's like not even, it's not even close to being on the way down. You know, he's, he's, he's a monster. I'd have to look. It, it's going to be a tough one. And PG. I love Fiji. Paul George is a boss is like one of my slogans in life. He's a boss. Um, Did you just start saying that this year? Or no, was... years and years and years. Okay. Um, just double checking. And um, 
he's been sensational defensively this year. You can cite all the stats about deflections and steals and just like, you just see it. He defends the best guy all the time. He's still not as big and scary as the other guys. Um, he defends the best guy more than Giannis still by virtue of Giannis being a four. Giannis has a lot of games where he's just kind of on these like Marcus Morris types for a long period of time. Um, and I don't know what to do with that. Anyway, it's going to be an interesting voting season. It's going to be interesting. These awards. Who's your MVP? Leaning Giannis. I will say this though. I will say this, Russillo. <laughs> I will say it. I've seen, I will not name them, but I've seen smart Twitter people act as if to vote for anyone but Giannis is, um, absurd and that James Harden has no case. I think James Harden has a case. He is an, he is like, you see with Giannis, like, oh, we're going to put Gobert on him. Let's see how that goes. Oh, he can't really shoot. We're going to put him beat on him and beat him. And like, okay, that didn't work. Like, you can't do anything. Oh, okay. We're, we have to surround Giannis with four shooters because he can't shoot. So we got to surround him with four shooters. You can surround Harden with me, you, Simmons, one dude who's going to roll to the basket and a shooter. He'll, he'll, you will have a good, he is scheme proof, teammate proof, everything proof. And people are going to look at his on-off numbers. So the defense sucks with he's on the floor. Their net rating is like almost exactly the same. Like they're plus four with him on the bench, plus four with him on the court and disqualify him. His case is this. From December 22nd to January 25th, when Chris Paul was hurt, they went 12 and five, recovered their season, and their net rating was like plus 11 with Harden and like it was the, the, the differential is like plus 17. That's, if you're going to vote for him, it's going to be that month more than anything else where he scored 40 every game and they were 12 and five and their season was like teetering. When Chris Paul got hurt, everyone's like, uh oh, this team's not very good and it's lost Chris Paul. Now, the last month Harden has been underwhelming by his standards, which is an insane thing to say because he's been great. And Giannis, I think, has pulled away. But I think Harden has a case, and I don't get dismissing his case. I haven't loved the Harden thing all year long. Yeah, you're not. You're out. Well, no, I, I'm not going to say it. Like, to say he's disqualified from it is ridiculous. I still had him halfway through the season as my MVP. I still was like, look, I, I tried to figure out a way to not do this, but I'm going to be a jerk if if I don't after everything he had done, kind of halfway through. And the five, excuse me, the twelve and five number. Is really the argument for Harden? Yeah, and that's it's, it. It's, it's, it's those anti- twenty. It's those twenty. If they games. went five and twelve, and he's taking forty shots a game. Then you can trash him all you want. The, and, their season, had, and their season's in jeopardy. He saved their season. They had to play that way. I ran into Daryl in Boston, and it came up in passing. And he was, you know, this is the thing I always love about Daryl. But Daryl just goes like, "Hey, it wasn't like we, you know, this wasn't by this, like this is what we did to survive." And it, it was like and a it, big deal. That they had to send Daniel House to the G League. It was like a big, like, oh my god, they're, now they're losing Daniel House? They're screwed. Like, that's how bad it got for a while. So, when I look at that, I'm not, I, look, I'm, I'm telling you, I can, the, the part about Harden that does drive me nuts, it's not just the efficient thing. Like, if I decided, like, if Steph was, I'm gonna do this now for a week, it would be the same thing, but probably better. I'm not convinced that that's true. I mean, with Steph, I actually kind of convinced that that's true. I think Steph, but you see, you see people say that about. No, I think Steph could average forty in a for a month if he wanted to. But you see, but Harden is so big and so creative and so crafty that I'm just not sure people can mimic 
Like he can shoot threes, he can drive, he can draw fouls, he can post up a few. His passing's I, I just don't think right. everyone can mimic the the varied styles in which he can get buckets. I, well, I've, I'd admit it. I mean, I spent all this time talking about Harden for stretches because I go, I'm very conflicted and I feel like a jerk and I feel like a hater because I'm pointing out some of the things that I don't like. But the bottom line for the vote for Harden is they needed to do it and they went 12-5. and five. And if you want to vote for him instead of Giannis because of that, I have no issue whatsoever. If I had a vote, I'd probably leave Giannis. I don't think you when you said he's pulling away. I don't even know that it's necessarily pulling away. If you have him first, that's cool. I'd have Harden second. I would. There's no uh, argument anymore. Right. Harden yeah. is. Uh, those are one two. Yeah. Those are one two. And PG George is going to finish third. Yeah. Fourth and fifth gets interesting, but ultimately, like if probably you, Kemba. If you pull <laughs> <laughs> by value, by value, it really. I mean, he's not going to. I'm not going to vote him fourth or fifth, but. Like you're watching there, you're going down the stretch last night against Philly. I mean, their season is online in these games. Like, all right, let's get their clo- closing lineup. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, uh, Miles Bridges, Bridges coming yeah. back in for a big closing Kaminsky stretch. Was out there like, oh for my a good stretch. god! I mean, yeah, Kaminsky. Michael like, Kidd-Gilchrist hit a three, and I mean, you would have thought he broke they, Reggie Miller's record. They they went from that's right, he hit a left corner three. They went from Kaminsky not playing to Kaminsky seeming like. So essential to their team that it's like terrifying when he's on the bench. We got a lot of this. Is, should be tagged for all Hornets fans out there. We get a lot of Hornets in here. All right, Ryan, you got to go. I got to go. Thank you for coming on the pod. We'll do it again soon. Best to all my buddies at the Ringer. Listen to Dual Threat, the Ryan Rosillo podcast. Everything else, uh, always fun to see you. Thanks a lot, man. The Low Post is presented by Goodyear. Discover the possibilities. Goodyear, more driven.